Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the Controlled Interest Gamecast. We're on episode four now. Welcome, as always, where we talk about the video game industry and everything happening in video games. I'm joined, as always, by Jordan. Smash the dots. And Dominic. Hey, what's going on? So we're going to be talking now about what we're playing, actually. And, uh, you know, recently I've just been playing a Division here and there. Um, Smite, as always, it doesn't change. I still haven't gotten a Child of Light, which is depressing. Um... <laughs> I have five badges now. It's more down. depressing that you think you're getting to Child of Light. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I want to get to it, man. I really want to, but it just it's not happening. Um, I still need to get back to Witcher as well, uh, and then Quantum Break's coming out soon, which I really want to play that game. I'm just bad at getting to what I need to get to right now, and uh, so I'm like at Gym Five, I think, on Pokemon Yellow, and um, I've also been playing some Smash on 3DS. I was having like a a smash drought i really wanted to play some smash so i was been tinkering around with that playing that i don't play online on 3ds i think the online play on that on it on mobile is terrible um but Did i like smash the dunst no no i didn't <laughs> smash the dunst um yeah that's pretty much it nothing new has changed same thing rinse and repeat i haven't added anything in poor child light but uh yeah that's what i've been playing anyways I got some flack from my buddy. Shout out to my boy Tim. Uh, follow him at Koru615 on Twitter. He's uh, an awesome up-and-coming hip-hop artist. Um, but he was giving me some flack saying that, you know, last couple weeks on the show I've been talking about how I haven't been playing much video games. So <laughs> I remedied, remedied that situation this week and played about 25 hours or so of Mass Effect 1. And a little bit of uh, Persona 3, again, but uh, mostly focusing on Mass Effect. And I am fully into it. It's totally got its hooks in me, and I'm I'm riding the tide with that one. It's great um, to hear. It's, I'm so glad I got like really into it. I, like I said, I was about 10 hours into it, and then really just busted it wide open this week. So How do you like them elevators? Those are great, huh? <laughs> I was riding one last night. I was like... Are they serious with the speed of this thing right now? Like it takes forever. Like Ten feet up. So, yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, we talked about like the menus and the, kind of the clunkiness of it. It is a little bit like the menus are cumbersome, you know. Yes. Um, and that does kind of harm your uh, experience a little bit when you're trying to just hop in and out and and you know quickly move around the game. Um. And then, of course, I just mentioned the shooting a minute ago. Um, your character feels really heavy. Does that change in 2 and 3? Because it yeah. feels like, like, it almost feels like Gears of War, how heavy your character is, you know? So, what they did is, like, uh, what we were talking about before the show is, as the games go on, they sacrifice RPG elements for gameplay improvement. And right. the game is very clunky. The shooting isn't great. Like, the actual gameplay of the game isn't necessarily great in Mass Effect. It's all of the lore and, like, the actual RPG elements that make the game good. Right. But then they realize, like, hey, we can scale back the RPG elements and make this game an actually solid game. And they get right. way better in 2, and they're probably the best in 3. Two's probably the best mix of RPG elements and the shooting. The shooting's best in 3. The RPG stuff is best in 1. But two's like, the best merging of those two things with them. In my so... opinion, anyways. Dom, have you played Mass Effect, any of the Mass Effect games? So I played two and three um, years ago. Okay. I, I, yeah, I guess I agree with Jared. I mean, well, two to three, it, three was a little more action-focused, I think. Um, a little quicker, maybe. Um, okay. But it, I, I never played one, so that's supposedly the biggest jump. Yeah, one to two so, is huge, yeah. Jared, you could probably answer this, and maybe even Dom, too. Um in the first game, and they even have this in Dragon Age Inquisition, so it's not like Bioware has changed that much, but the amount of micromanaging is almost astonishing in Mass Effect 1. Like That changes um, completely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, like, for example, you have... You keep two party members with you, but I think there's... So there's Tally, Garrus, Rex... Liara, Caden, and Ashley. So that's six people. Yes. And so you <laughs> you manage uh, their armor, all of their guns, and any like biotic amps that they have or anything like that, um, and grenades if they use those. And then, of course, you manage all their skill points. 
Um, and then on their equipment, you also manage like their uh, their mods and upgrades to their their armor and their grenades and their guns. Yes. And then um, there's just so much micromanaging. It's like down to the most minute detail. Like with six other party members, and you're constantly bouncing back and forth between them. And then I'm like. Oh geez, I haven't used this guy in like you know ten hours. I've got to go use him. So, yeah, I'm honestly just kind of flabbergasted at how much micromanaging there is. Well, the thing with two is so it takes there is still managing your partners right and yeah, uh, using like them said, and everything. That's in Dragon Age Inquisition, so I didn't think that was going to go with. But it's it's a lot quicker to get in and out of those menus, and it's a lot quicker to understand what exactly you have to do. Um, yeah. and. The thing, too, with with Mass Effect 2 is... So, in Mass Effect 1, you always feel like you need to use these characters because they're, they're not getting enough sunlight, right? In yeah. Mass Effect 2, for me personally, it felt like you didn't ever feel like you needed to use these characters because you would use them for their specific story missions to get their arcs. And oh, okay. almost every one of the characters in Mass Effect 2 is really cool. Like, there, there are some that are kind of vanilla, but a lot of them have these really cool story arcs. Like, Jacob's is one of the coolest arcs. Uh, he's one of the characters in Mass Effect 2. And you never feel as if you're not using them enough because you are, and you get these, like, cool, like, narrative experiences with them. But as far as, like, the micromanaging, it's still there, but it's way more manageable, and it's more of a, like, a... Less of a burden and more of, like, a a reward, I guess, for okay. outfitting this guy that you learned so much about, or this girl. Yeah. So. And, I mean, it makes a difference in Mass Effect 1. It's not like you're just putting aesthetic stuff on, you know, and upgrading that kind of stuff. It does make a difference, but I've spent last night I just put on some podcasts and I watched an entire episode of Game Scoop and um it was an entire episode of Game Scoop and an entire episode of Talking Dead just spent in menus micromanaging my characters and stuff and selling selling off my wares to the the markets and stuff. So and, yeah, in Mass Effect Two, it makes it more of like a you can skip like you can skip like guns and stuff, and you can whenever you feel like getting back to it, you can change their stuff. It's not as like detrimental to the action, so they definitely get rid of that. I like that what you're saying, how they naturally move you through you know the different characters, so you don't have to you don't feel like oh this guy haven't hasn't seen sunlight like you said in ten days. I've got to get him out of the Normandy. You know, there's some really cool calls to other uh, sci-fi universes in Mass Effect 2 as well. That game is just like it's in my it's probably my favorite game of all time if I had to pick one. Yeah, easily. Yeah, especially since last fall with Force Awakens, I'm just still totally on a a hardcore sci-fi kick. So this is totally scratching that itch right now. Definitely give you one piece of advice in Mass Effect 2. Upgrade your ship completely. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say, yeah. Will do. What have you been playing, Dom? Uh, so up until today, I was still um, chugging through Ocarina of Time 3DS, which I'm, I'm, we poked fun at it last week, but it really does look much better than uh, on the old N64. And it, I mean, in general, it holds up today really well um, as a mobile game anyway. Um, so yeah, I've been having some fun with that. But um, this morning, I finally... Downloaded, uh, turned on the Fallout 4 Automatron DLC. Yeah. Um, and I'm nearly done with it. Um, and it's, it's fun. It's a ton of fun. I mean, the, there's a quest line that comes with it. Um, it's only, you know, a couple hours long or so. Like I said, I'm not totally done with it. But the added uh, robot customization feature is it's really in-depth. So you can, they give you a couple new robot characters right off the bat, and you can also create your own robots and customize pretty much every last piece of them uh, cool. in the same vein that you customize weapons and uh, build settlements and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, it's deep. So you literally can, you know, change like three different mod slots on each arm and leg and, you know, they can have like regular legs or a thruster, you know, all it, it's really deep. Um, so I think uh, standalone, it costs like $10 just for the, that piece, which, I mean, it, it's certainly better than the cost of other DLC as far as value, but um, I, I got the season pass. So I think when you have the season pass, it's definitely worth, you're definitely getting your money's worth. And uh, yeah, so we're going to be getting into the news right away, guys, and you know, talk about what's going on in the video game industry. The first story we have here is about Bioware and its new IP. So if you haven't heard yet, 
uh, Alistair McNally, who's one of the guys, the director actually of creative development at BioWare, was walking around the GDC conference in a shirt that displayed the name of their new IP. Nobody took a picture. Nobody knew what it was. There's like nobody has any idea what the new IP is called. But over on WCCFTech.com and probably a couple other sites, uh, Arnoot talks about how he has been talking about, Alistair McNally has been talking about this new IP, and he's talking about how it's actually ready to play and it's very clean. And he said, he actually tweeted, played Mass Effect Andromeda yesterday and then today our new IP, both of which are looking stunning. Today I wore a plain t-shirt. So he's basically poking fun at him wearing that new IP t-shirt that nobody noticed. Um, So he actually talks about the new IP from Bioware Edmonton, and he states that it will have a clean sheet design and the studio wants to tell a very contemporary story. But in a world as big big and imaginative as the studio's previous work in sci-fi and fantasy. And uh, they also state in this article that uh, based on the job vacancies that were posted for Bioware Edmonton, it's more than likely going to be a narrative-driven RPG with shooting elements, which is really interesting. Um, what do you guys think about this new Bioware IP, IP and it being clean sheet design? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pumped for a clean sheet design, first of all. <laughs> right? It's what we need. It's what we need in this industry. <laughs> what do you guys think it's going to be about, necessarily? They've always obviously got their two big IPs, which is Mass Effect and Dragon Age. So they've got sci-fi, like high sci-fi and high fantasy, really. Um, you said there's going to be shooting elements, right? Yeah, this it's a rumor based on the job vacancies that it's going to be a narrative-driven game with shooting elements. So maybe, obviously, uh, Borderlands isn't really a narrative-driven game, but... Maybe like a Borderlands type thing, like a shooter RPG mixed, um, and I'd be totally down with that from Bioware, dude. Like, whatever genre it is, fantasy, sci-fi, or or whatever, I think they could nail that. And I'd like to see, um, you know, I haven't played Mass Effect two or three, so I don't know how the shooting is in there. But the shooting in Mass Effect one is relatively average. So yeah, they uh, get better as the games go on. The shooting mechanics are really solid. It like. It gives up RPG elements for shooting mechanics, it seems like, as the series goes on, you know? Okay, so, yeah, maybe they have been, you know, progressing in that area. So, yeah, I'd like to see what they could do with, you know, Mass Effect, even if uh, 3 is the most shooter-esque, it's still not, like, totally focused on shooting. So I'd like to see what that, that looks like for them, just buckling down on shooting itself. Well, it makes sense, though, too, because if you think about their games, the one thing they're missing is contemporary. They have, like, high fantasy when people think about they think of the past, right? And then when they think of high sci-fi, that's the future. So they don't really have anything that's of now, right, that gets, sits current day. So it makes yeah. sense that they're yeah. kind of filling that that need or that hole. Maybe, like, a Watch Dogs situation? Yeah, yeah I was going to yeah. say, like a, like, a GTA, yeah. but obviously with more RPG elements, something kind of in that vein, maybe. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I just I don't like the description of a clean sheet design. I think it's really weird. But <laughs> Alrighty, so the next story here with the news is over on the PlayStation Lifestyle website, uh, Jason Dunning uh, wrote up this piece talking about how the new report for the PS4.5 that we were talking about last week that uh, Dominic said it would be really cool if it was called PS4K uh, is called PS4K. And <laughs> shock. I did not come up with that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you were hoping it would be called that, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I think it sounds real cool. Yeah, yeah so uh, it, it basically says that uh, Kotaku reported on the PlayStation 4.5, and now Digital Foundry says that they have independently established that the system is indeed real. And um, additionally, they say Sony's research and developments labs have prototype devices right now. So this makes sense that it's only in the prototype stage because it'd be really dumb for them to try to, like we were talking about last week, release this next to the PSVR, right? That'd be really dumb. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking this is probably going to be an E3 next year kind of thing. Like, you know, it's probably going to be, um, like Dom was saying the, the PlayStation three slim or whatever, or the Xbox 360 slim. This is probably going to be the, the next step in the console for people who want to maybe get an upgrade. Um, and before it gets to the new generation of consoles. So it's not a definitive thing, but it will definitely improve your experience if you're that dedicated to that console. Uh, what do you guys think about this PS 4k being real? Supposedly, it's still a rumor, but just because it's real, just because there's a prototype, doesn't necessarily mean that it'll ever come out. Yes, you know? I true. Think that true. We've seen you know detachable 
DualShock 4s that turn into move controllers and all sorts of random versions of the Vita and PSP. Um, and I, I just think that this could be another one of those things. Um, it may come out, but it's there's a lot of stuff that they're going to have to figure out. I mean, every game has to be scalable now, and it's not like Xbox or NX are probably going to be the same way. Like, developers are going to have to pay special attention to Sony and their their console. So, I don't know. It's not just a PlayStation. I this is, this is going to be an industry thing. Like, Xbox is probably going to do something similar. I mean, looking at like technology in general, uh, game consoles are the only thing that doesn't change over such a long period of time. I mean. Computers, cell phones, I mean, everything, like, there's a new model every year, right? Small changes. Um, the old models still work, just not, maybe not quite as quick or clean, but I think this is, the, I think this is just going to be a, a change in the, the way, like, the industry is, is made up, I guess. Um, again, if Sony tries to do this by themselves, then, yeah, they could rock that boat, like you're talking about, Jordan, um, and piss off some of the old some of the people who already bought PS4s or bought them at launch type of stuff. But if, if Xbox follows suit, right, um, I think this is where the industry needs to go. And personally, I, I'm, I'm in favor of that because, I mean, I want, I want things to go forward, right? I mean, like you mentioned, our consoles now, the consoles now, are, they're outdated. Yeah. Simply they're put. They're outdated when they came out. So yeah. I, I, I want to ask you something about this. So I think that from the perspective of somebody who owns a launch PS4, do either of you own – have you guys been PS4 riders since launch? Yep. No, I've got the Destiny White PS4. But you're pretty you're pretty early on, right? Pretty yeah, early on year. in the life cycle. Okay, so I think for you guys it makes sense to be like, oh, if a PS4 came out, that'd be something I'd think about buying. But relatively, like recently, in the span of about a year and a half to two years, these people have heard PS4 is the better console. You need to buy PS4, and they're like, I haven't bought a console yet. I guess I'll upgrade. So now they're buying these consoles, and then a new console is going to come out. And to them, it's relatively a short time span, right? Because they barely got into this console. It's like the people who've been around since the beginning. They're gonna like. They're gonna be like, "Oh wow, it's already upgrading." And I think they're gonna feel some bad blood for the one that's supposed to be all about gamers. You know, gamers don't like feeling as if they need to upgrade all the time. Even though realistically, since we are console guys, and you know, we were talking about upgradable consoles, and that's the only way we can fix the the, you know, the difference between PC and console. Yeah, I think that having these consoles come out. I could see something that's slim, so it changes like the way that the the console works and it maybe improving specs, but making it solely about four K, like changing that. I understand it's resolution, but what if they came out with like a PlayStation three D or an Xbox three D? People would hate that, you know. It just seems like they're if they if they were to do this by themselves, I think it would definitely hurt them a lot, a lot, a lot. See, I don't. It's not going to come out this year. That's for sure. Oh no! But, I think it's like a year, maybe a year and a half to two years off. I don't know. I could see this being a, a VR kind of companion because that that would be a big, a big reason to own this. But how much will know? this console cost on top of the four hundred you have to yeah, pay for? Like, think about buying a four K TV, buying your PSVR, and upgrading your console. That's like several thousand. Yeah, because the big thing now is you buy a regular PS4, you buy the VR, and that's under the price of a gaming PC, right? But if you got your HD TV, yeah. But if you're in, if you're saying PS4K plus, like you said, the 4K TV plus, yeah, it's it's. I think it's too much. I think it's 2018 because I don't even think that people are going to have enough 4K TVs by now. Yeah, year. 4K isn't in the 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 average mindset of people, you know. No, and it won't be until like fall of 2017. I think it's for the tech savvy people who care about that stuff. You don't see the the, the normal gamer like. I need to play this in 4K, like yeah. console, especially console gamers. PC gamers maybe are more, even more on that front than a console gamer. You know, right? I just think like the the PlayStation VR could definitely benefit from some extra GPU power. I mean, because that's going to be its biggest downfall. Looking at, like compared to uh, Oculus and the Vive, True. is then that's the only reason. I, yeah, a lot of a lot of things. You know go against that like you guys just mentioned but i, I think it's just got to have something to do with it a little bit too i mean and this also plays to playstation maybe being all in on the vr you know for yeah. like pushing this towards people if it does give you a better vr experience maybe that's what they want is because they're they're relying so heavily on making this psvr thing but 
say the PSVR doesn't sell and it doesn't do well. To Jordan's point, this is still in incubation process. They may pull this and never have it because it's like if we don't have VR for this to actually – the point of this is to help with VR and, and you know, normal games. But, like, if VR doesn't do well, then they're, they'll definitely pull the plug on this. This will never see the light of day. If this is real, they're not going to even announce it until next year, you know. If and, they're smart. Well, <laughs> I think it is real, but I'm saying what I should have said is if it – you know, let's say we could look into the future and it does actually come out. I really don't think they're even talking about it until like spring of 2017. So we have a couple of stories here. So the rumored controllers that were popping up online, there was the one of the, the like the sideways, very blurry image of the supposed NX controller um, was proved fake. The guy showed his Photoshop process and he made it in like a 3D um kind of like a program to you know make 3d objects and he kind of photoshopped it and it's funny because there were people saying like oh we looked over this and we tested it for layer changes and all of this stuff and it, it can't be photoshopped um shows the guys really good at it wow the second image that popped up people were um assuming that it was from a studio uh where it's like a laptop on a black desk with the black uh nx controller i keep wanting to say wii u um it, that was actually. Why would you ever want to say Wii U? That's a terrible <laughs> word. That was actually a 3D printed model that a guy made. He also made a video showing how he made it, putting the stickers, and both of them basically just made it based off of the um, the tri- what was it the uh, the blueprints the uh, pant the pan that popped up a while back, and yeah, they're both fake. Luckily for anybody who wants Nintendo to stay alive, luckily they're both fake. I mean, they're both fake, but they the controller still could look like this. Unless, going to our next story, uh, also NX News, there was a Reddit AMA with a supposed AAA developer who's porting an Xbox One and PS4 game to the NX. And he talks about the dev kit and uh, some qu- real quick bullet points here. It doesn't have The controller doesn't have an oval screen. Uh, it's standard rectangle, has physical buttons with the screen behind him, doesn't have a form-shifting screen, nor does it have touchscreen with haptic feedback. It's hardwired to the dev kit, um, which the dev ki- the actual box looks like a boring black box. It, you know that's how dev kits are. It's not what the console's going to look like. And um, he doesn't know if it's backwards compatible, uh, but it doesn't seem like it. And it's more powerful than the PS4, from what he stated. Controller is full screen, uh, more traditional, super powerful. And he actually makes a sketch of it that I'll put in the video uh, portion of this podcast. So you can see what his sketch of the controller is. There's no way for him to confirm that he's an actual – this is real because he doesn't want to give out his job placement and stuff like that for fear of losing his job or his company getting into trouble. Um, But what do you guys think about this? Is this guy – is this legitimate? And if it is, what do you guys think of these reports? Dude, I really doubt that this is real. I mean we just went through a whole charade of you know these controller leaks that as we just found out some guy threw together in Photoshop and printed – you know. So I really doubt, I mean, anyone can go on Reddit, type this up, say they're a dev. You know what I mean? I just, I don't buy it. But he's saying good things, though, which is at least good. At least it's not like them Photoshopping terrible controllers. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope he's right on a lot of these points. Um, If there's a rumor I want to be true, it's this and not those Photoshop images. Exactly, yeah. Um, And he may be right about a few of these things, but I doubt this guy actually has any clue. Well, could be me. I will say, <laughs> I will say the last time one of the last times we got one of these uh you know reddit posts from an insider was uh, the I think it was a woman who said she was um from Bethesda and was talking all about oh, yeah. Fallout 4 with yep. it being in Boston and all that and I'd say about 90% of that stuff was right and the stuff that wasn't right was close enough to write to where I think they just kind of changed their plans a little bit after she left. So, yeah. And I'm not saying like, you know, because of her, this guy's automatically verified or anything, but I do think that, you know, there are safe places on the internet where these people feel like they can go with their inside information and spread it to the masses without, you know, losing their job or getting in legal trouble. So, um, I definitely think it's a possibility that it's real, and if it is, it's kind of funny because the the kind of layout of what he was talking about, um, someone on Reddit posted a picture of it, and the controller that he's talking about in the dev kit is like, 
it looks exactly like the Wii U gamepad. Yeah. So. But he said it's know. smaller. He said it's the size of the bottom of a 3DS XL. So it's not a giant thing. Yeah. See, I don't know. Like, you know, of course, everybody's been thinking that the NX was going to be essentially like a better Wii U and the gamepad is something that you actually take with you that replaces your 3DS. It's kind of what I... That's what I was from, hearing, yeah. Yeah, I'm with from you most on of the rumors, which I, I think that's what they need to do. And from this Reddit post, it doesn't seem like that's the case because he's saying it's more like a... It's almost like a Tamagotchi type of thing. <laughs> a second just, screen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like a it's second screen, but it's really limited, the second screen. Is, Very so. ancillary. Yeah, it's not like a Vita remote play type thing. And I think that's what they need. So... You know, but maybe his dev kit doesn't have those features. Maybe it's an early... I don't know. We still... Even that if it is right, true, you never yeah. know. Yeah, I just think... You know, it's tough because our internet infrastructure isn't to the place yet where you could stream from your NX to your mobile device, you know, from wherever you are. But I still think it could be more than just, like, a counting your steps type of thing, you know? Yeah, I definitely... we. Uh, Dom's topic is going to touch on the NX as a whole. Um, but this whole thing of, like, this internet culture where people fake things and get people excited, it's it sucks, but then it's awesome the same way because half th- you know, it's like a 50-50 shot in the dark, you know? This is either a fake and it's not real, or it's real and this is better than the fakes that happened, right? Um, it yeah, just it seems we like... We get to speculate about it and talk about it, so... Yeah, exactly. And it seems like this is more of what people want from Nintendo, but it still has a little bit of a Nintendo quirk to it to make it theirs. So, um, the fact that it's, quote-unquote, more powerful than the PS4 is something everyone wants this to be, or Nintendo needs it to be, rather. Because if it isn't, then there's no point for it to come out, really. Especially with what we just talked about, the PS4K. PlayStation has a thing in the works that's 4K resolution. And, you know, it needs to be powerful. So thank you guys for watching the news portion. Uh, We're going to be heading into the topics now. Speaking of expectations for the NX, uh, Dominic, what's your topic? My topic is the NX prediction. So, each of us are going to go around the table and say what we want the NX to be. And also what we think. It will be, because let's be honest, there's going to be some disparity there. We bow our heads in prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, um, I guess I'll go first. Um, So what I want, and what I think actually, I I think they're going to be the same. So um, I'm thinking Nintendo's going to release a, basically a regular brick console, like we're used to, going to be more powerful than both the PS4 and the Xbox One. Third, it's going to have as much third-party support as PS4 and Xbox One. Um, I mean, some... Wow, that's the most surprising so far. <laughs> Maybe not one. as much. It will have obviously much more than the previous Nintendo consoles anyway. So early on, I remember hearing, you know, the NX is a, is a platform, right? It's like not necessarily just a console. So then we've also been hearing, the, you know, things here and there about, oh, you know, the, the controller or whatever, the second piece is a mobile device this and that sort of stuff. So I think we'll, we'll get at least um, a re- one regular controller like we're used to and that, you know, you could use just that. I think the mobile piece is based purely on like our cell phones. I think like the NX as a platform is going to integrate really deeply, you know, with our phones. I mean, I don't know exactly how. So maybe, you know, you take your phone with you to you know, you're in a hotel somewhere else, you have your phone, and maybe you have your separate NX controller, or maybe an add-on for your phone as a controller type of thing, um, like one of those an- weird Android controllers or something. And maybe from there, you stream, you know, from your NX at home to your mobile device. Um, and it, to me, it, it's got to be, like, you're able to stream the whole game as it would be if you were playing it at home on your console. Um, and again, this isn't going to depending on your internet at home and wherever you're at streaming may or may not work great. Um, but I think, I think that's the kind of jump that they're going to have to make. Um, and I think that's what they mean by a platform. Uh, it's, it's going to be more than just, you know, a regular console. I think there's going to be a deep integration with our actual mobile devices and it, the timing seems right with 
what they've been doing on with Mitomo and whatever other mobile games they're working on. Um, it seems like that's the direction they're going. And also, um, like I mentioned previously, I think it's going to be more powerful than PlayStations and Xboxes right now. And I think that's important because there's these ongoing arguments every time a game comes out. Oh, it's 1080p on PS4 and 900p on Xbox One. So I think Nintendo is going to get in, like jump right on top of that and take advantage of that so that from now on, every third-party you know, multi-platform game, well, it's 1080p on PS4 or 30fps, is going to be um this you know 1080p on nx but you know 60 fps um i think that they're just going to dive headfirst into that weird fps resolution battle that they don't really they've never really been a part of right they've always been more focused on gameplay but i think they're going to depart from that given the new leadership and just the fact that they need to take a drastic change the way they do things so i think that's where they're going to go with this um that was a mouthful so what do you guys think? So before we, I'll, I'll say what I think it's going to be. What would you? So if you had to pick three launch games for the NX, what do you think they're going to be? Right, right. Um, Zelda. Okay, um, so that's the first part. Saying, um, I want to say Metroid, but like a, a you know true Metroid game that I don't think that that'll make launch. I think that'll be. Um, oh, also I'll mention I, I do think NX will launch uh, holiday twenty sixteen. Um, I think that has to happen. Price point? How much do you think it's going to be? 400 Yeah, so, you know, slightly above where PS4 and Xbox One are at. But again, this is more powerful. So um, I think that's where it's going to jump in at. But then I think, you know, your, your uh, mainline Metroid game won't come out until 2017. Um, so it'll launch with Zelda. Um, a 3D Mario World. Maybe uh, Galaxy 3 or Sunshine 2. Something in that vein, right? I don't know exactly what. Can you imagine? <laughs> Good luck with both of those. <laughs> so maybe people would actually buy. The you're you're the you're the very optimistic one. I'm gonna be a little bit more pessimistic, I guess. Uh, so we're doing what we think it's going to be, right? Not necessarily what we want it to be. So if I had to choose what I want it to be, it definitely hit everything you said. Um, but personally, what I think it's going to be is I think it's going to be less powerful than the PS4. And then it's going to be more powerful than the uh, – probably around the same power point as the Xbox One. It's going to probably hit 900. Um, I think the controller is going to be – like this rumor says, I don't think it's going to be something really weird. I think it's going to be something very familiar to gamers. I think they understand that they need to hit something that uh, can can resonate with people and it's not something weird and quirky and, you know, your weird cousin owns a Wii U, right? So it's like everyone owns it. It's something that people want to own. Um as far as like the the controller situation, I really don't see it being. They're so they own the mobile space so much that why would they make something that merges both of those together? It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think they're still going to be making the quote unquote 3ds type of mobile devices. I think this is going to be something super. It's I think it's going to be the Wii U gamepad shrunk down. It's going to be something where it's like, oh, look at your inventory on the controller kind of thing. It's yeah. like they took the idea they had and they're like, okay, some people liked it. Let's make it smaller so it's not on everyone's face, right? I don't think it's going to be something where you can unplug it and play the same game somewhere else. I think it's not going to be that. The controller is not going to have that kind of capability. Um, that's just me being a little bit pessimistic, but that's that's honestly what I think. Uh, I think it's going to come out this fall. That's not a shocking um, thing. I'm going to make a bold prediction and say it's going to come out in October. Um, I think it's going to come out around the same time as a PSVR, and I'll have my explanation for that. Uh, so, so it's going to die? No, I don't think so, <laughs> because I don't think the PSVR is going to sell as good as everyone thinks it is. Yeah, people will be inclined to buy a new console. Before would I rather buy a Would I rather buy a PSVR on what you said is that the PS4 isn't going to PS4s right now aren't going to give you the greatest experience on VR? That's what you said earlier. Yeah, no, and I mean, especially in comparison to the other VR headsets. Exactly. So, so it's like, what I do? I buy a, a PSVR for this console, or do I get this new console from Nintendo that's doing everything I wanted them to do right for the same price point? They might even come cheaper. It might come in at. I'm gonna say it's come, gonna come in at three forty nine. That's a little bit of wishful thinking. It's probably gonna be three ninety nine. I'm gonna say three forty nine October, around the same time as a PSVR. Um, to me, that makes sense. People are like you said. Now it's it's it, so it can die. I don't think that's the case. I think it'll flourish for the simple fact that people are going to go to the store and see: Do I buy this headset that's kind of weird and it's not really the best right now, or do I buy this whole new console? Which the lineup I think is going to be 
It's going to be the Zelda game. That's an easy given. That's not something too bold, right? It has to be. It has to be. <laughs> It'd be dumb if it didn't. I think that it's going to be the Zelda game. I think it's going to be some weird third party, um, like Call of Duty or a sports game. You can almost guarantee there's going to be a sports game on it, right? Almost guarantee that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if I had they have a, that third party support. Yeah, if I had to pick like a, a, weird, a weird game that might be a launch title... An Animal Crossing game would be cool. Uh, You know, launch title Animal Crossing game would be pretty solid. But you have to kind of figure... You have to hit different audiences, right? The whole point of a launch console is to have these games that, like, can hit everybody. So you have the sports game for people. You have the RPG, right? For RPG nerds, that's the Zelda game. So you kind of have to hit this middle ground of more of a casual experience. There will probably be some, like, family-type game, because that's what Nintendo does. The Wii, Wii U Sports and all that garbage. And then I think it's going to be a more family-friendly focused game like an Animal Crossing or a game in the style of like a Pikmin or something. You know what I mean? Not super hardcore. Um, and so if I had to say it, I'll, I'll make my declaration. It's going to be the three launch titles are going to be the Zelda game, Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops 3, and a new Animal Crossing game. They're gonna put last year's Call of Duty on it. Not it'll this be year's. the new Call of Duty. No, it'll be it'll be well. If it's coming out in October, that means it's gonna be earlier than that. Okay. So, okay. say for instance, I get my prediction of the release date wrong. It comes out in November. Then obviously the new Call of Duty will be on it. But for if this if this Red AMA is correct, it's gonna be a game that currently exists because they're porting it. True. True. And Call of Duty sells. So yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Call of Duty. I'm gonna go Zelda, and I'm gonna go an Animal Crossing game. Animal Crossing is my super bold prediction, and the other two are more safe bets. So, okay. Um, so here, I've got a little bit less of a prediction, a little bit more insider information here. Um, a little controlled interest exclusive for you right now. Um, I went to GameStop not too long ago to trade in some stuff and. Um, you know, some of the guys at my local GameStop recognize me and, and just kind of know who I am. So, um, the naturally, like, <laughs> yeah, cause he's the guy with the giant not, beard and the giant Afro. He was like, yo, you have a Wii U. And I was like, yes, I do. And he was like, so, um, essentially I think they're telling them, I think it's Nintendo because I don't know who else would it be. It would be, but they're telling them that they're going to have, uh, Zelda coming out this fall and uh, most likely be for both consoles and then they're thinking a fall release for NX as well and um, the reason I bring that up is just because that's kind of the most solid information you could ask for of anybody that's that's who's going to need to know is the person that's selling the company that's selling the console in their brick and mortar stores so Nintendo's going to make sure that they know way before um, I used to work at GameStop back in high school, and that was the year. The year that I worked there was the year before PS4 and Xbox One came out. And I remember um, that year in 2012. I remember my district manager saying, "You know, it's going to be a lot of special stuff coming out next year." You know, he couldn't give me specifics because he probably had an NDA signed or something. But he was basically saying, "New consoles next year." You know, get excited. And I was like, "Yeah, I mean." It's pretty pretty obvious at that point that we were going to get new consoles, so not too surprising. But just to say that, you know, these companies, they definitely tell, uh, especially GameStop and Best Buy and Walmart, when they're going to be getting these consoles. Because you don't want, like, a Sega Saturn situation where the brick-and-mortar stores don't even know it's coming out and they get all pissed when you don't even tell them. So, so since you I know think... the release date, do you, do, you, do you have a price in mind? Do you have a... You know. So I'm thinking uh, price is going to be 400 probably, maybe less if we're lucky. And then I think um, what I want out of the console is I really, really want them to make a game console. I want them to make, you know... The UI a, needs a change, too. I didn't mention that, but I hope it has, a, like, a, a good UI. Cause like, oh, my God, yeah. Since Wii and Wii U, those were so terrible, dude. Just Even like, the 3DS UI is terrible. Abysmal. Yeah, I mean, 3DS is passable, but... Yeah, I don't mind I the 3DS. Say, I can't say too much coming from the Vita with its stupid bubble icons, but, you know. Anyways, um, yeah, I definitely think UI needs to be better. They need to make a good game console. They need to make, essentially, like, 
the SNES of of today. They need to make a console that everybody can develop for, that everybody wants to play, that is, um, you know, up there with the other consoles. When you know today it's Xbox and PS4, so they need to get back in the game. Is essentially what they need to do, man. They've been spending all these years just being Nintendo and quirky little Nintendo off in their own corner of the gaming industry doing their kitty stuff, and that's. That's been cute for the past 10 or 15 years, but something really needs to change now. Especially since, of their last three consoles, one has been a success, and that, to me, honestly, the Wii was just a fluke. Like it it, really Yeah, was. that doesn't even count as a success to me either. It was a grandma bowling success or It was whatever. a perfect timing move. <laughs> Grandma's like... bowling simulator. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a gaming success to me. Like... Yeah, totally true. Yeah, oh yeah, as a game console... I would not consider that a success, but as right. an entertainment system, yes, of course it was. So, yeah, I, I think they need to make a gaming console is essentially my point. My three games, um, obviously, you know, Zelda is going to be there, so that's no surprise. Um, if I could have my own pick, uh, Metroid, I'm hoping, is a launch window game, not as much launch title, because I don't want that to crowd Zelda, but... They've got, like, this Fusion Force crap is not cutting it, man. We need a new Metroid game, and I know they know that, but... Federation Force, man. Federation Force? Fusion yeah, Force? Yeah, not, not Fusion Force. Come on, man. This is this is big. It's, okay. It's, <laughs> they're both terrible names, and they just need to get on the freaking ball, because if we don't get a new Metroid within the first six months to year of NX, that's, like... Almost, not their death note, but I mean, it's pretty close for Nintendo because they can't keep screwing consoles up. So, I really think we need a Metroid. And then, um, you know, the Call of Duties and the Maddens, they'll come if they're actually doing what they're supposed to and making a console that can run games. Um, so, I want Nint uh, my third game is I want to see something new from Nintendo, and I don't mean something new and quirky. Like, think if Nintendo had one of their first parties make an open world sci fi RPG that's rated, oh my god, maybe teen or even M, <laughs> maybe even rated M for mature. Um, think about that, that would be so cool, and that's like a game, a type of game that people are actually interested in these days, as opposed to, you know, Mario jumping on some mushrooms, or Yoshi being made out of yarn, like, that's cute, and that's quirky, and I get it, you're Nintendo, you're these, you know, hipster darlings over there, but my god, guys, make make a dope-ass video game, you know. Any closing thoughts on this, on Dominic's topic? So, I'm almost certainly gonna buy it, Okay. The NX. I mean, unless it's uh, unless it's my it, it ends up being my second prediction, which is a cell phone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine if you know they just did something completely off the wall? Like there were some weird comments they made or like before, like you know it's not necessarily a console. It's more of a yeah yeah. You know and that kind of scared me to be honest. <laughs> so I, I have that fear that it's just going to be something completely ridiculous. Um, but almost certainly I'm going to buy it just because I want to play this new Zelda and assuming it's on NX, you know? Yeah. So that's the only thing that could, you know, keep me from buying. If it doesn't have, you know, this Zelda game at launch, then like Nintendo could just be, waiting. be gone. I'm going to be waiting, uh, just to see if they actually make a game console. You know, I don't need another Roku box or whatever. So it, unless they really come out swinging and give me some awesome video games and not just you know experiences um it'll probably be at least a year before i get one the kid in me wants this to succeed the adult in me doesn't because i want to play my nintendo games on my xbox one <laughs> i want them to be a software company that's oh, me personally this thing bombs you may get that sooner than you expect oh yeah yep Alrighty. so jumping into our second topic here this is definitely going to have a lot of editing because uh, I definitely want to make sure that they're under an hour and we're already like at 46 minutes. So I'm definitely going to be cutting some stuff. They're still going to be substantial, but cutting some of the obviously empty spaces. Um, so I'm going to do the intro to the second topic now. 
Uh, okay, so with our second topic, Jordan, what do you got for us? So my topic, uh, I will title it uh, the changing games media, um, and really the focal point of this topic is easy allies and the closer closure of game trailers. Um, so essentially, Easy Allies just launched launched this week, and they're a new gaming channel, um, doing streams and podcasts and reviews and such. Um, they started with a Patreon this week, and they're already at over thirty thousand dollars. So, Easy Allies is really just the guys from Game Trailers that just recently got shut down. Um, all but a couple of the guys are there, and everybody who had their own show is there. So. Um, the core group is there, um, and I, I'm i a huge fan of game trailers. I, I loved watching their stuff on YouTube, um, and once I have you know a little bit more money coming in, then I'll definitely subscribe to them on Patreon, but um, yeah, just kind of talking about how uh, quickly games media is changing. Um, you know, game trailers got shut down and they were forced out of that situation, so they decided to start their own Patreon, and the market has obviously supported that. People definitely wanted that, so they, you know, their success, in my mind. Um, and, you know, I've been thinking a lot this week about how they got forced out. You know, kind of funny, guys. They decided to leave IGN and start their own channel, and obviously that worked out very well for them. But these guys, the Game Trailer, Easy Allies guys, they got forced out of Game Trailers and then, you know, ended up doing Patreon. And I'm starting to think that it may be the best thing that could have happened to them. Um, later on today, uh, I'll watch their first podcast and see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, Game Trailers was only going to survive for so long, just like most of these smaller gaming websites are only going to survive for so long. And I think that people want the the TLDR people want the truncated version people want to be able to just go to YouTube sit back relax and enjoy a video and and have someone tell them here's what happened today in games news you know instead of having to read individual articles and go to individual websites and all this stuff so i'm wondering what you guys think about this i see games media changing a lot you know even the big websites like GameSpot and IGN GameSpot's been doing more movie reviews recently, which is weird. Um, IGN is trying to expand their stuff. They've got an esports show that they've started up within the last year. They've got Destiny and Fallout podcasts. Um, so I think, you know, IGN has some stagnancy to it that they have to get rid of. Um, and I'm sure all big websites are like that, but... I just think games media is changing so much, especially in these last five years. Um, and I want to get your perspectives on it. So I think this is a, a melding of two different things. I think this is what Netflix did to cable, in a sense. So on-demand stuff, people want it, and people want it from a more, I wouldn't say indie scene, but like, you know, cable is very structured, and a lot of people don't like that now, especially the younger generation. The fact right. that you can go online and Netflix and Amazon and all this stuff and watch things when you want to watch it. The fact that these things are posted all at once is really good. I think it's that having to do with the attention span of it, right? Where people don't want to have to read an article. They want to watch a video or listen to a video. It's just how this generation is. On top of that, I think it has to do with personalities. Nowadays, people don't want to – don't – don't want a brand telling them what, what they should know and what they shouldn't know. They want personalities. For me personally, I don't go to the IGNs and GameSpots and all these different places um, to get my information. I go to personalities I enjoy because it's kind of like before the internet, for those of you who are listening who knew that time, you, you, would, you would talk to your friends about stuff. It's like, how did you feel about this game? How did, you, how did this do? Yada, yada, yada. I was never the kid that looked into a magazine to see what Paul Stanley, if there's a Paul Stanley out there, I'm sorry. Paul Stanley thinks about this video game. I'm like, hey, friend, because uh, that's how I greet all my friends. Hey, friend, did you like this game? And they're like, yeah. So, you know, it's more of like a, a friendship thing of like these are the personalities you care about and you want to hear what they have to say. I don't care what some giant corporation has to say about something and they're meeting these deadlines and have to put a spin on it because they're getting paid by this company and yada, yada, yada. It's the personalities you want to listen to. And I think the games industry is n no different than any other industry, you know. 
people want to hear from people, not from corporations. I think that's the biggest thing about it. I think, um, you know, the market speaking, this is totally an American thing in the sense of like the market speaking for what rises, right? All of these guys could easily, people could say, I don't want to give you money. I don't care enough about you, you know, get a real job. But these people care so much about these people's opinions and personalities. They're like, you know what? I'm going to give you five bucks out of my paycheck every month because I want to hear what you have to say. And I think it's the grassroots approach. And uh, that's my two cents on it. I want to be really quick. I think it's attention spans and personalities. Those are the two big factors to me of this whole industry changing as far as the way people get their information and news and stuff like that. Well, yeah. I mean, we got to get away from this idea too that, well, IGN gave this game a 9 out of 10. No, I mean, that's that's not really the case, right? Yeah. Uh, Editor B gave this game a 9 out of 10, who also works at IGN with Editor A, who had a very different opinion on that same game, right? I mean, the, yeah, like, the, the brand behind them might be IGN or GameSpot or whatever, but, yeah, focus more on, like, the individual and what, you know, and what they have to say about something. And, yeah, there, there might be specific personalities we like within a brand, you know, that we go to. It's not, like you mentioned, I mean, I don't give any care to a specific brand, but there are certain individuals from... IGN, for example, that I do go to to hear, you know, their opinions on their sort of specific opinion because you 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 trust their opinion, right? But at the same time, it is the brand that gave them that exposure. Because without that brand, I mean, without the IGN channel, I probably never would have heard. Their, you know what I mean? I wouldn't know them at all. Really, that's kind of a, a that's how they get themselves out there. They're like the the sponsorship basically um, that puts them at the you know puts those specific individuals out in front of you know, us. Exactly. So. It's like a, a platform, really. So they have seven people pledging uh, $200 or more, and they have five people pledging $500 or more. Easy allies? Yeah. Well, they, they, there's people called, I think they're called elephants or white elephants or something, and they're these people who are just super rich, who have a lot of money and have a lot of interests, and yeah. they're willing to, like, you know, help these kind of endeavors happen. Well, it's just interesting that like people have so abundantly supported them as soon as as they started something new, you know. They wanted that game trailer's experience. And that's the cool thing about the internet is there's so many people on the internet that are awesome people. I don't even watch game trailers. I don't know who any of the cast members are. I don't know anything about those dudes. But apparently enough people love them that they can do their own thing, and that's awesome. I think that's Man, so- okay. Um, so the guy who voiced all of their reviews, I think it was Brandon Jones, I think was his name. So yeah, I listened to an interview with him uh, recently, and I hadn't really any clue like what or who Game Trailers was. When I heard him start talking, I immediately recognized his voice, immediately. So I mean, I must have seen their reviews before, but this guy's voice is very recognizable. Um, yeah, so I mean, I could see why people followed, followed you know, that crew over to what... Uh, easy allies is it now so i i think going off of the the whole uh the industry changing and the friends thing is that because the internet's so connected instead of having to go and read an article that of some guy you don't know it's like you know the reason we came together for this podcast is we don't have a lot of people to talk about video games with and we just want to talk about it right i think that's no different than the the people that you enjoy hearing talk about video games it's like you know finding people that you can actually relate with because before the internet yeah, you can make an argument that we're less social now, but it's easier to find people you gel with. You know, it's easier to find people that you can actually correlate experiences with and you're not forced into having these weird relationships with people where you don't necessarily necessarily see eye to eye and you kind of find these like middle grounds and that's healthy to have friends that aren't necessarily exactly like you. But in the other sense, it's cool to find people that you can just talk about stuff that you've wanted to talk about forever with. So I want to talk about what would be your dream superhero game coming out? We don't get a whole lot of them. And uh, and the ones that do come out, they're either Lego games or they're like, you know, Dark Knight or, as Jordan pointed out, Infamous Second Son. There's not a whole lot of them as far as like really engaging experiences. The Lego games are what they are. That's Let that be said. But I just want to hear what your guys' perfect superhero game would be. The superhero or the style, the game dev. And uh, yeah, I, I, I want to go, you know, last just so I have a little bit more time to gel and think about exactly what I want to pitch to you guys. Um, so think of it as a pitch, I guess. What would you pitch to people would be your superhero game? Who wants to go first? All right, I'm going to jump in. Okay. So 
Uh, yeah, given that uh, Batman v Superman just came out and the Justice League movie is on the horizon, I'm not sure exactly when that's... Two years, that's, I think? Two years? Not too bad. Um, yeah. So we've obviously had the Batman games, the Arkham games. We've never really had a, a good Superman game that I know of, but I wanna, I'm going to just dive right in and say, like, how cool would a full Justice League game be? Um, you know, something like third-person action, you know, your typical superhero-style game. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the studio that would be best uh, to throw it together, but yeah, I just think that could be really cool. There's definitely potential, um, and this is why I'm not a game developer because I, <laughs> I you know, I just had this idea, um, but don't really know how best to make it come to life. So the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games are kind of like that. They were you had four characters on screen at a time, you'd switch between them and attack and stuff like that. And I wish they would make a Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. That'd be really cool. Um, but I, I, I think that's something cool. Justice League game would be awesome. It'd probably sell. Um, what, what's your pitch, Jordan? What's your idea of a, a go-to superhero game? So I mentioned before the podcast that I kind of already have my favorite superhero games, and that's Infamous Second Son and Sunset Overdrive. Um, I really feel like those are the two best superhero games ever made at this point. Um, but I do, there is something more that I want from a superhero game, and that's more of a superhero RPG, and not a superhero MMO RPG. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to play DC Universe Online, or, you know, Marvel's got their own MMO. Um, that's not what I want. I want to be able to play it on my own, at my own pace, and by myself, and all that. So, what I really, really want is, um, you know, it could be Justice League, it could be Avengers, it could be you know, made up heroes for all I care, but I really do want a big open world superhero RPG where I can fly around or swing around, jump around the city and upgrade my character and customize my character so it is like my superhero that I create. Yeah. Um, and I think of be course cool. you could, you know, have like uh, uh, skill trees with, you know, choosing your different powers whether it's lightning or fire or mind control whatever you want to make up so i'm all up on quantum break i can't wait for that game i've seen gameplay and that game looks so awesome looks so beautiful the storyline looks really cool it has little finger from game of thrones it has that dude the main character the dude that's been a lot of stuff uh, ash ashmore i think his last name been in a bunch of stuff you recognize his face but you can't you don't know his name um and the time manipulation in that game is so cool. So I just thought of if Remedy were to make a Flash game, that would be awesome. I think that'd be so cool. They've already had they've already had workspace in the time manipulation kind of thing. It's basically everything you need to do with Flash, right? Because he runs super fast and the world slows down around him, kind of thing. And it's it's definitely in their wheelhouse. I think that'd be super awesome. I'm not even that huge of a Flash fan, but I like his character. And uh, I don't really watch the show either, but I just think those two things kind of fit. Remedy, they, they've learned this kind of developing this time manipulation environment and everything like that, coupled with the Flash, who that's really all he's about, right? So I think it'd be a cool marriage of, of a, a superhero and a company. So thank you guys for joining us for episode four of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. We talked about a bunch of stuff, the NX, PS4K, Xbox, pretty much covered everything. Uh, what are we going to be playing this week, guys? For me, I'm going to be playing some more of The Division, um, <laughs> Child of Light. <laughs> I keep saying it. I feel like it's like a child I don't take care of. <laughs> I'm like, prove it. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, what about you, Jordan? I am going to continue playing Mass Effect. I'm super into that right now, and I'm honestly itching. I'll probably jump on that as soon as we end this podcast. Um, and then continue a little bit with Persona 3. Um, but I'm thinking once I finish up with uh, Mass Effect 1 before I jump to 2 I might go and platinum Assassin's Creed Unity like I was talking about um, just cause I'm like I don't know I just platinumed uh, Syndicate last fall but I'm still itching to get back into Assassin's Creed I love Assassin's Creed man I could I could kinda just have a, an AC game on standby throughout the year that I that I jump in and out of which honestly I kinda do that already um so yeah, I could I could kind of be playing Assassin's Creed any time of the year. So you got to hop back into that. And uh, Unity, a lot of people were just so pissed about all the glitches and, and stuff that it had. And 
I think it was a little bit blown out of proportion, and I think Unity is a lot better game that people give it credit for because it's before Syndicate came around, it was probably my favorite Assassin's Creed game. Once they had patched it and taken out some of the glitches, so. And it's unfortunate a lot of people won't know that. So. Yeah, it does kind of suck, but it is. It is a great game. If you guys have a chance and you're into Assassin's Creed, I would definitely recommend it. So, excited to get into AC Unity and just cannot wait to finish Mass Effect 1. So, I'm going to keep on playing Fallout uh, as I anxiously await Dark Souls 3 in uh, two weeks or so here. Thank you guys for watching episode 4 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Uh, as always, you can find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash controlled-interests. You can find us at Twitter at CTRLINT. Our personal accounts are all on there as well, so if you want to find those, those are on the Twitter page for Controlled Interests. You can also listen to us on iTunes. If you do, make sure to leave a review and maybe even uh, the star rating thing. It definitely helps us. We're trying to get you know this thing going. And uh, yeah, as always... We appreciate every listen we get, and thank you guys wherever you guys listen to us, watch us. We appreciate it all, and uh, yeah, any, any closing words? If uh, anyone is aware, or becomes aware, when uh, PSVR is available for pre-order on Amazon, freaking let me know. Jordan? No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Take it sleazy, homies. No smash the dunst, all right. Well, I got it in earlier this episode, so we're all covered. And, and Dom said it too, so. Alrighty. Catch you guys next time. Bye.